So it was the summer of 1997. Uh, it was an amazing and crazy summer for me. Uh, that was the summer I graduated high school. I know, I know some of you are thinking, man, uh, he's old. Or some of you are actually probably thinking, he's just a kid. Right? But that was the year I graduated Edmonds Woodway High School. Uh, and I was a relatively punk 18-year-old kid. Uh, didn't really have much of a care for anything uh, in my life. Um, but that summer, I laid a brick patio for the Pearsons, and they had just bought a new house that overlooked Puget Sound. Amazing house. Don't know why they had a handful of high school kids lay this huge patio. Uh, we probably mess it. I bet you they've changed it since then. Um, but uh, I had done so that I could head off to uh, Malibu, uh, and that's a young life camp, Malibu, Canada, not Malibu, California. Um, and it was at Malibu, Canada that I accepted Christ that summer. Uh, and, and, and it was what happened afterwards that I want to talk to you guys about this morning. Uh, Dwight McGrew, you've heard about him. I've referenced him in my uh, messages before. But he was my young life leader. And when we got back from Malibu that summer, he invited me to come to church with him. Uh, and I had never really been... Uh, kind of, I never really experienced church. When I was little, whenever I stayed the night at friends' houses on Saturday nights and they went to church Sunday mornings, that was my experience uh, with church. I went with them to whatever church that they were a part of, and, um, and I don't believe, as I thought back over, I couldn't think of any of them actually being Christ-centered, Christian-believing uh, churches, but at that point for me, I, I could care less what they believed. Uh, I was just going because I thought it'd be fun to stay up a lot later on Saturday night and play Kid Icarus on the Nintendo, and then uh, head to church uh, the next the next uh, morning. So, but I remember walking into uh, Community Christian Fellowship for the first time, and I didn't know what to expect. I had refereed some basketball games in the gym that was on the kind of the other. They Puget Sound Christian College was where they met in, and they had like an auditorium. And I had refereed basketball games in the back gym. Uh, but I'd, and I'd, I never even knew that there was a church there. But I remember walking in for the first time, and I didn't know if maybe, like, a light had gone off or a switch was switched now that I had accepted Christ and even really not even understand what that meant, but if something would change as I walked into church, like I would have, like, this awakening new moment. I didn't know how to dress. I didn't know how to react. I didn't know how to act. I didn't know whether or not... Uh, one of my buddies, uh, the church that I most often went to was Holy Rosary, and we would stand up, sit down, kneel, stand up, sit down, kneel, and you pull the thing down and the pad, and you. So I didn't even know if I was going to have to do that, uh, but I, I, I was I was nervous. And to tell you what, if 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 that experience had gone wrong or been bad, I don't know how long it would have been for me to work through trying it out again, because it was weird for me to attend, to give it another shot. I didn't know how long it would take. So my question for you, can you remember the first time that you walked into church? For some of us, you've, you can't even remember not walking into church on Sunday mornings because you were raised that way. Do you remember the first time that you walked into here, maybe, into Christ the King, uh, Sudden Valley? I know for a handful of people that call Christ the King, Sudden Valley their home, this is the only church that they've ever really walked into, ever really I experienced. 
and I'm glad that the kind of the overwhelming census that I get from everybody, and this is, man, we have guest speakers that come in. We have people from the network that visit every once in a while. We have out-of-town family members and guests that join us, uh, even my family members that don't go to church that come in and join us. And the overwhelming response that I hear is how welcoming this place is. And that's, that's on you guys. Like, that is so great that that is the response we have as a church. But attending church is much more than coming and making people feel comfortable, uh, making people feel welcomed. Uh, and that's what we're going to look at this morning. Um, we're going to look at why, why do we do church? What are we called to? What does the Bible actually tell us about church, about attending church? Why is it one of our six core commitments as a church? If you missed last week, last week was the start of this brand new series um, called entitled I'm In. And in this series, we're looking at the six core commitments, which we think are, are, founded, are founded foundationally in, in biblical principles, biblical truths, the principles that we hold as a church, as CTK Sudden Valley even. And what do those principles uh, mean for you? What do those principles mean for your growth and your personal uh, relationship with Christ as well? So this week, the key commitment question that oh, I introduced this idea last week. For this week, our question is, am I consistently attending corporate worship gatherings? Am I consistently attending? Now you're here. So you've got one out of four of the weeks this week. What's consistent? I don't know. But what does the Bible tell us about it? Now, last week, we just scratched the surface with this introduction idea that we have uh, around this idea of ownership. Ownership at CTK uh, Sudden Valley. And actually, ownership being a network-wide thing that all the Christ the Kings in this network are, are pushing towards this. This idea of becoming owners at the, the Christ the King church that you are a part of. And what does it mean to be an owner? And an owner is, like I said last week, it means that you actively live out the six core principles we have as a church. And what I've tried to do last week and what I'm going to do every week is, is, is redefine or further define the idea of ownership. And even against what we would culturally or what would happen if we focus on the idea of membership. Which church is a lot of members. Last week I talked about the idea of going to Costco and filling out an application, how church membership is a lot like that in some cases. You fill out a form, sign a piece of paper, and you're a member of a church. So what's different about what we're uh, doing? Uh, come fall, we'll have the opportunity to do that. Uh, but I, what I want to do this morning, I want to further define what it means uh, to be an owner at Christ the King and what, what, what we have to be aware of if we're going to do this right together as a church, and then that goes right along with this second point, this idea of consistently attending uh, corporate worship gatherings and why we meet and uh, further defining this point. So uh, for us first, uh, and I, I saw this, um, this presented this way about three years ago, and ever since then, uh, I had, I mean, it's been on my mind. I don't know if it's the fact that instead of using a fancy computer and slides like he the person that I was talking to, Dave Bryan, was using a, 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 a flip chart like this, uh, but it's just resonated with me, and I've thought about this principle over and over and over 
uh, since I saw it for that first time. And so for us, uh, the center focus uh, for us as a church is on, is on Jesus. So we got this purple. This is royalty for purple. We got Jesus is the centered focus of everything we do. This includes if we are um, doing a movie night or if we're doing a barbecue or if we're doing whatever it is that we're doing as a church, Jesus always needs to be the center focus. Okay? I know it's fun to do movie nights and uh, outreach activities and all that kind of stuff, but always we need to be focused on what role does Jesus play in that, and, and we're centered around that idea. Um, and so if, if, if ever Jesus doesn't become the centered focus, then we're just in trouble. All right? We need to be refocused on him. Uh, and then for some of us, uh, green, uh, earth color, I thought we're of earth. So uh, for some of us, we gather around um, Jesus. And this is the guy has got a hat. It's kind of cool. And, uh, you know, stick, I'm good at stick figures is all you get. Uh, we gather around him. And this is, uh, in general, in all the aspects of our lives, not even just Sunday morning, uh, we gather around him. We'll put a girl over here with the long, wavy hair. Stick figure, maybe she's waving high fingers. Um, I'm not a good artist. Avery's the artist in our family. And then oftentimes, there's even some of us, probably in this room, uh, maybe you've been invited here or, you know, you're, you're kind of checking out this whole church thing. You're a little further away from this centered focus, so you're out here a little bit, um, kind of looking in, making a decision uh, as to whether or not this Jesus thing works for you. Uh, and then there's people in what, what's a key part of our, um, of our uh, reason why we gather is, is people that are out here, people that are far from God. And you've heard me say that before, that uh, I'm all about reaching the people who are far from God. All right, so we have varying distances. And what we, what we can, what we kind of even maybe naturally do on a social level, any kind of social gathering at all, whether it be work or, you know, I don't know, book clubs, whatever it is that you gather, what, what tends to happen is we create a, a segregation of groups. Like there's people who are in and there's people who are out. And I think for us, it naturally happens, especially in the church, uh, in the church atmosphere, is we put this circle up around us, and the circle creates an in-crowd and an out-crowd. And in the context of even this idea of ownership, this is something that very could easily happen. And I think in churches, with membership, active membership where you read the things that the church believes, and you say, well, I believe in that, and I'm going to sign this piece of paper, and I'm going to meet one-off meeting with this a group of elders, and then I'm, an, I'm a member of that church. And it creates this natural uh, barrier around people. And if you can imagine with me, what does that look like for somebody who's checking out Jesus, checking out church? They're looking in and going, well, man, I'm not actually even kind of part of that crowd. You know, like, I don't even think I belong. And then the people who are far from God, they're thinking, man, I mean, look how, how segregated they are. Look at how they gather and they do their thing. And, 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 and out here, I feel like, I, man, I just, I'm not even that type of person. I don't even belong uh, in, in this. And I think this is something that we just need to be consciously aware of. That I think naturally just happens with, even within the church. Create an idea of an us versus them. 
And we can't have that happen as a church. As we look at this idea of why we gather and what we do as a church, this is something we can't have happen. The idea is, is that if I belong, if, if you belong, if I belong, all belong. I have plenty of stuff in my life that I've messed up in that, I mean, I was, for the first 18 years of my life, I was on the outside. And I attended church with my friends, and I was looking in, and, and it wasn't until it made sense with me that I was like, man, you know, I want to be a part of that. But that, whatever that is, is actually for everybody. And so what we need to do is we need to eliminate that circle. We need to just make sure that that circle doesn't come up. That circle isn't a part of what we try to communicate and why we gather. We can't allow that to happen. The circle needs to go away. And, and, and as we look at it, as we look even further into this in, in the principles we looked at last week and what we talk about often is that God still uses faithfully devoted people. But what he uses those faithfully devoted people is to reach others and to reach those who are far from him because we're all God's creation, right? Even those who are far off who want nothing to do with Christ, God still created them with a purpose. And so they need to know that they belong here. And if you're visiting or if you're checking out or if you know somebody who is on the outside looking in, we believe here that they belong here, that you belong here. And so that's what we need to communicate uh, as a church. Uh, Ephesians 2.19 says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone that of which we build everything on. It's nothing, church is nothing that, or the idea of it, it is man-created, but the idea of it is nothing that we've created. It's been uh, for the good of everybody since the beginning. So even if we focus on ownership for these next five or six weeks and becoming an owner, the focus has to be on Christ. And for us, what's different between membership and ownership is Membership isn't necessarily reading the list of beliefs that we believe as Christ, Christ the King. Ownership is six core principles that you are personally living out in your life. That you actually, you can, you're the only one that can measure some of them. So it's you living it out uh, personally. And I tell you what, I wish, I mean I got a little emotional earlier today, I wish I had much more influence than I have. Because I get the opportunity to see what God has for people. I think we all do. But I just wish that I could influence people so much more so that they would understand just how much God has for you in your life. And for today specifically, we want to do that. We want to look at why we gather. What God has for us in the idea of gathering with a purpose. Always focused on Jesus. Uh, but focused on Jesus to then reach out to others who are, who are far from God. And so for this first point, we want to know that everybody belongs in this. Everybody belongs in this setting, in this idea of corporate worship, or even just in the presence uh, of God. And if we look at the Bible from cover to cover, God gathers his people. He does. In the beginning, it was in the garden. 
God gathered his people together in the garden and then in the Old Testament and moved on to the altar. People gathered around the altar, the tent or tabernacle, the temple or the synagogue. Uh, in Acts, in the early church, it said that they would gather wherever there was enough room to gather. There's enough room in a dance barn, so we gather in a dance barn. And then it was on to what we know now as cathedrals and, and, and church buildings. But God gathers his people. And God gathers his people with meaning. We gather with great meaning. And we're going to look at, I believe, six core meanings as to why we gather. And the first is encouragement. Uh, Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 says, Let us consider how we spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We meet together to encourage each other, to encourage one another and to keep on keeping on, to keep on pushing forward. And I would tell you what, there is not another time, and I can say this pretty confidently, if, if it doesn't apply to you, come and explain to me your situation so I can understand it more. But I would say pretty confidently, there's not another part, another time in your week where you gather with this many people who are centered and focused on the most important thing in your life. Now, you may work in a great Christian and work environment where that is the case, where there's 60 or 70 adults that are just pushing to Jesus together. Uh, but my thought is you probably don't. And there's not another place where you can come and do that on a weekly basis. Where you gather with people knowing that there are people in this room that have gone through whatever it is that you're facing in your life. And actually, God instructs us to help each other out. To what I've learned about the truth and God in my situation applies to maybe somebody else who's going through that same thing that I've worked through in my life. But not only that we have access to each other with the way that we do church, we have access to a God that's been through everything and knows everything that we are facing in our lives. The call God has on our lives is uh, far too meaningful and even difficult for us to do it alone. So we gather together so that we can encourage one another. Together, even that call that is impossible on our own, Scripture tells us, with Christ doable and with each other easier, but on our own, oftentimes we're picked off. Listen to this in... Uh, in 1 Peter 5, 8, the enemy and the devil prowls around you like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Looking for someone. Not a group of people, right? This is just your general successful tactical hunting method, right? Right? You isolate animal from the herd and then you pick them off, right? I mean, that's so in general. And that's the way the devil works. And that's the way that for us, if we isolate ourselves and separate ourselves it's easy for us to be derailed. It's easy for us to be uh, picked off. So we want to gather to support and encourage one another. 1 Corinthians 16.2, this is the second part. Uh, we also gather with meaning for giving. All right, 1 Corinthians 16.2. Uh, on the first week of, or, and actually I'll paraphrase this for you. It's up on the screen. Um, but Paul, oh, maybe it's not, I'll read it. On the first day every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money and keeping it with your income, saving up so that when you come, no collections will have to be made. 
See, Paul instructs us in 16.2 to weekly set aside a sum of morning money according to, uh, according to our income to be collected. This is the act of giving out of our firsts and not out of our leftovers. This is one of our core principles that we'll look at at a different time. But as far as why we gather, this is one of the reasons that Scripture actually tells us to do it. To give out of our, uh, out of our firsts. And I tell you what, in the position that we are as a church... Uh, I am very thankful and grateful that you guys are obedient in that. Because without it, without our weekly gatherings where you were obedient to God, we wouldn't be uh, doing all that we are doing. So another one is, uh, furthermore, uh, a meaning is reading and teaching. For reading and teaching. First Timothy 4.13 says, Until I come, this is Paul again, devote yourselves to public reading of Scripture, to preaching, and to teaching. Again, I would gather to say that there is not another part of your week where the sheer number of people have sought God, have looked to him for what he wants to communicate to you, to us. There's not another time in your week where so much energy and hours and manpower and prayer, I mean, people pray into our services that God would speak to you and that God would use this Sunday to communicate. I put, the better, I put the better part of my week into what we do on the weekends. God doesn't want us to, meet at, to miss out on meeting with him on a weekly basis. Interacting with him in a space where this is probably the most focused you've been on God this week, maybe. We come together centered around a same idea, worshiping and praising him, yes, but focused more so than maybe we are at any other point in uh, our week. And I don't want you to hear me uh, wrong when I say this, because God is everywhere, right? You don't come to church because God's at church. God is everywhere, right? That's a myth that uh, we come to church because that's where God's most powerful or most present. Not true. God is present in all the areas of our lives. But does our life, if we look at that, does our life support that myth? That the most devoted we are throughout the week is on Sunday mornings. Because throughout the week we've got work and we're busy and we don't give them the time. We, don't give, we definitely don't pour in the hours that go into a church service into that. So does our life prove that myth to be wrong, that we go to church because we want to be with God and throughout the week we kind of He's second. So aside from reading and teaching, we gather with meaning for praise. Colossians 3.16, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, and singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. There is something so unique when we lift our voices to God. I felt it this morning. Maybe you felt it uh, at some point when you attend. Uh, you might not even be a singer, somebody who sings. And I tell you what, here's a little hint. Uh, God doesn't care if you sing off beat or out of tune. I know that as a fact. Uh, uh, and God lets me know that it's all right. Heather tells me otherwise. But um, God lets me know that it's all right. But he just, he, he's more concerned about us doing it rather than how we do it 
or our ability in doing it. Our collective voices singing out in worship. All throughout Scripture, God tells us to lift our voices as one voice to Him. And especially in this text with, with gratitude. Same thing goes with the next point, and that's prayer. One of the meanings uh, that go, one of the further defining reasons and meanings that we gather is for prayer. We all need to be in communication with God. Right? We all need to be in communication with God all throughout the week. But there's something different when we gather together and pray together. When we gather together and ask and petition God, this is why we do even prayer groups and things like that, but when we gather together and petition from God, it is God's people lifting up a prayer in uh, unified around an idea. And if you don't catch it, oftentimes uh, when I share with the kids in the morning or you know, before we, before we get to the message, I share with them a little bit that's about what we're going to be talking about as a church. And then, uh, not only that, I pray that over the kids, but you'll catch it, you'll hear it from now on, that I pray that, pray that same concept for us as a church. And that's actually my prayer throughout the week. As God gives me what I'm going to be talking about, I pray that our church would understand that, that you guys would understand that. Acts 2.42 supports that. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, into prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. I think one thing we do do well is the uh, breaking of bread. I mean, potlucks and barbecues and things like that. That is great. But uh, that's not one of our core meanings as to why we gather. It's just about food. All right, anyways. Um, I sidetrack. Prayer. Prayer is very important for us. All right. The last of the reasons why we gather is out of obedience. It's out of obedience to what God has for us. I've already read this verse, uh, Hebrews 10, 25. Not giving up on meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is obedience in the meaning as to why we gather. To not give up on meeting together. And this is obedience not out of the strict idea of just showing up to church. Checking the attendance box. We don't keep attendance here. We could. We check a little box that you made it. Um, but no, we, that's not what he's talking, that's not what the Bible tells us about, about being uh, obedient in it. Oftentimes, uh, in the position that I am, I think about a lot of you. And this week, even more so, I thought about the people that we haven't seen in a while. Send them off an email. Maybe you've gotten that email from me in the past, like, hey, haven't seen you for a while. Uh, you know, just checking in. So that isn't guilt. I'm not trying to guilt you into coming to church to just being, uh, just being here and attending with us. That's genuine care. Because of the importance I know that there is in gathering together and being a part of something that's much larger than me, much larger than you. So if you get that email from me, know that I am just making sure. And oftentimes within that email is, hey, just want to make sure if you're not, you know, I haven't seen you for a while. If you're not attending with us, I want to make sure you're plugged in someplace else. Because I know just how important it is for us to be uh, gathering. 
Isaiah is a prophet in the Bible, and a prophet somebody who, who can speak the words of God, who knows what God is, wants for his people and to tell them. So Isaiah, speaking of God and to relation as to why they were gathering, uh, God says, listen to the laws of God. Listen to what I have for you. And God says in, in Isaiah, I have plenty of burnt offerings. I have more than enough fat from fattened animals. I have more than enough blood from bulls, lambs, and goats. And through Isaiah, God says, stop bringing me meaningless offerings. Stop bringing me meaningless worship. Do we do that when we gather? When you come here on Sunday mornings, are you gathering for the right reasons? Are you gathering so that you know or that you're wanting and anticipating to hear from God? That he's going to speak to you. That he wants to speak to you. And that you actually want to hear him. Or are you gathering for some other reason? Are you gathering for the social aspect of, man, I, you know, my kids have fun. And, and, uh, and I tell you what, I, I, if that's the reason why you're here, you're more than welcome to be here. Right? I love that you're here. But God calls us to so much more meaning in the reason why we gather. And he's talking about this in, uh, in, through Isaiah and through this time of bringing meaningless worship. Coming into a Sunday morning not anticipating to hear from God or not thinking that he's alive and active and wants to uh, speak to us. God gathers his people for meaningful interaction. God gathers his people for meaningful interaction. And both in Isaiah and in Amos, uh, God says through his prophet, stop with your meaningless gathering. In Isaiah, through the numerous sacrifices. And in Amos, through the uh, meaningless noise of songs, he calls it. When you gather, there's no meaning, God's warning them. And so what is the meaning when you gather? And not only that is there, is there meaning, but is there actually action? Because that's often what's depicted. Yeah, you know, I want to hear from God, but what am I going to do with what I hear from God? Like, does it change me? Do I leave here and do I want more? Right? There's three parts to our gathering. When we gather. The first one is God's part. And God's part for us is providing a collective light for the world to see. God's part for us is to provide a collective light. He is the light and the hope of the world. We have to believe that. So if we gathered centered around that focus, we become a collective light, like I shared with the kids, for the world to see. God provides that for us when we gather centered around him uh, in, in desiring him uh, to be with us, to show us, to teach us, to affect our lives. Hugh Halter wrote a book called The Gathered and the Scattered. Uh, it focuses on the idea of why we gather and, and why we go out, why we scatter out from where we gather. And we gather and we go out with that single, the single greatest marching orders and instructions to go out into the world and reach those who are far from God. In Isaiah 26, 8, it says, it's for his renown, for him to be known by everybody, for his light to be shown. And then the second part is our part. Our part as a church is to have impact over intimacy. Impact over intimacy. And this is uh, that we may be a church that gathers and goes 
uh, that doesn't gather and go th- just go through the motions. More, uh, more than a church, and, and, and the idea of in- intimacy isn't, uh, isn't a bad thing. It's what we actually talked about last week in cultivating a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, being our first core principle. That's where the intimacy plays a part. Right? If we pursue God uh, and cultivate that personal relationship, that's where intimacy plays a part. But if intimacy is the, is the core focus as to why we gather as a church, then all of a sudden it becomes about us. Like we're centrally focused on the idea of who's already here and not focused on who is yet to come. And so it's a very core principle in who we are. So if, uh, if that's the case, we want to be pushing in the same direction and encouraging each other each other to reach out to others, right? And the last part is your part. Your part is to be a contributor and not a consumer. To be a contributor and not a consumer. God calls us, he actually instructs us to gather together. Not simply to attend, though, like I said, I love it that you guys are here. Uh, It's not that we just come and fill seats on Sunday mornings. It's an active seat that we are sitting in when we come. And you may be here searching or you may be invited by somebody or here to support somebody. Hopefully you have felt welcomed while you were here. But I would say that you are here because God has a purpose and a plan for you. You're not here by chance. God is not all right with where we are at right now. And that's the active part of this seat. That God, the God that has created you has so much more for you. He wants you to be active, active with him, uh, searching for a deeper understanding, a deeper relationship, uh, active within his community, active among his people in his creation. That's the plan he has for you. And that he calls us to something that is so much bigger. Bigger than anything we know, bigger than uh, anything we can understand. And he's designed it that way so that you will trust him with it. Because it's more than you could accomplish on your own. And it's actually even designed it that way so that you feel supported by those that are around you to push in that same direction together. He's designed it so that you would be involved in a corporate gathering that supports and enables everybody to push and do in the same direction. And for you, where you sit now, it's, it's a group of people who are nestled amongst the trees in Sudden Valley with a purpose that he has for us. Not that in, in this dance bar, not that the barn has anything to do with it, but that it has everything to do with you. And your ability to push into him and allow him to work in your lives. Allow him to allow you to have impact, not only with the people who are gathered here, who are close by, but also to have greater impact on those who are yet to come. Those who are far out. Those who you probably even interact with on a regular basis. God wants you to play a part in that. He wants you to contribute to that, not only consume what it is that we are doing as a church. And from that, he, uh, from that gathering, he wants us to go out. And he wants us to go out and reach people and show people the truth 
show people that there's so much more meaning for their lives as well so that they can experience the God that we know and that we come to actually worship and praise on Sunday morning. Let's pray.